Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi, I'm Adam Berkmans, and today we're making Great Plains Meatloaf. This recipe was created by A.J. Fick, a field staff writer for Harvesting Nature. He writes... The confluence of the foothills of the Rockies and the western edge of the Great Plains is a magical place where two ecosystems literally collide that I look forward to hunting every year. Whenever I'm there, I can't help but imagine the millions of bison that once roamed freely across the plains. The antelope that reign king there today are a captivating and unique animal in their own right, but they are missing their plains brethren, the bison. I decided to reunite them with a take on a hearty, satisfying meatloaf. With hints of sage to complement the two meats, it's a perfect thing to eat on a crisp winter day after returning home from a late season hunt. Enjoy! Thanks AJ. Through conservation efforts, relocation, new responsible farming techniques, and help from a large number of organizations, the American bison, commonly referred to as a buffalo, is slowly being restored to the Great Plains. Here's the story. Prior to European settlement in North America, the plains bison roamed the prairies in the tens of millions. Within 100 years of the Lewis and Clark expedition, the bison had nearly disappeared from their historic range. It's a commonly told story, but let's explore just how that happened. Before colonizers arrived, the American bison roamed from the Atlantic to the Pacific and from northern Canada to Mexico. The majority of them existed in what was known as the Great Bison Belt which ran diagonally across the continent from Alaska to Texas, with the majority roaming the Great Plains, west of the Mississippi and east of the Rockies. Wood bison called northern Canada and Alaska home, while the smaller plains bison existed south of the 50th parallel. Bison were a keystone species in the prairie ecosystem, living in symbiotic relationships with the animals and plants around them. Bison would rub their horns on trees, stunting the growth and stopping pioneer species from taking over the grasslands. They'd munch on long-rooted prairie grasses, often at different heights depending on the species, which allowed for bird nesting and rodent habitat. They'd disperse seeds through excretion, spreading plants and creating fertilizer. 
Bison would also roll on their backs, creating compacted depressions in the soil, which would collect water, creating many ecosystems and watering holes for many birds, amphibians, and small mammals. These wallow holes also provided unique situations for certain plant species to thrive. Some ground-nesting birds, like the long-billed curlew, even made their nest to look like bison dung as a form of camouflage. Birds would also use the abundant bison fur trapped in grasses to line their nests for warmth and protection from the prairie wind. In the harsh winter months, bison would use their strong necks and shoulders to dig down beneath the snow to access fodder. Other animals with less brawny necks would then be able to feed themselves once the herds departed. Bison would also plow through the snow from feeding spot to feeding spot, creating highways through the deep snow across the plains that many other species relied on for easy movement. Indigenous communities relied heavily on the bison to provide them with tools, food, clothing, shelter, and even entertainment in the form of games and musical instruments. Bison meat would be dried and smoked and turned into jerky, which would often be pounded and mixed with fat and choked cherries to create a powerful food called pemmican or wasna. Pemmican lasted a long time without refrigeration, was easy to transport, was very nutritionally dense, and provided lots of calories. Different tribes had different cooking methods for the raw meat, but mostly it was roasted over the fire or boiled into soups using the hide and hot stones to cook it. Prior to the introduction of horses, indigenous peoples would work in large groups driving bison into fences, corrals, or over cliffs where they could be dispatched more easily. One place in Alberta, Canada, called Head Smashed in Buffalo Jump, commemorates the historical method of hunting bison. The Blackfoot in the area used this particular site for over 5,000 years. They would dress as wolves and coyotes and funnel herds of bison over a cliff where they'd plummet down to waiting tribal members who would dispatch them and begin the arduous process of butchering them. As horses were introduced to the Great Plains, bison hunting became much more efficient and easy. Now, when I say easy, that's relative. Chasing a herd of bison on horseback, then riding directly into the stampede to spear or shoot a bison doesn't actually sound too easy to me. The introduction of guns also made hunting much easier, but the introduction of Europeans with horses and guns made the hunting of bison far too easy. Once European hunters, traders, and trappers arrived, the extermination of the bison was basically written in stone. Commercial hunters would often shoot buffalo en masse with long-range rifles, then go and collect only the tongue and hide, leaving the rest to rot in the sun. Hides would be shipped east by train to be used as leather and clothing and in machinery. Military men like General William Tecumseh Sherman, General Philip Sheridan, and Lieutenant General John Schofield were encouraged by the government to completely eradicate the buffalo thereby forcing indigenous communities who relied on them to move to reservations where they'd have to rely instead on the government for beef. John Schofield wrote in his memoirs, With my cavalry and carbine artillery encamped in front, I wanted no other occupation in life than to ward off the savage and kill off his food until there should no longer be an Indian frontier in our beautiful country. Nice stuff. When confronted with an act of Congress to implement protections against the white overhunting of buffalo, President Ulysses S. Grant vetoed the act, knowing that the eradication of the buffalo would force assimilation of native communities. After less than 100 years, the tens of millions strong herds of plains bison were nearly extinct. The loss to the prairie ecosystem and the indigenous way of life is simply indescribable. Some enlightened individuals, 
and even some of those who initially took part in the large-scale massacre of the bison began to think differently and to fight to protect them. In 1905, a man named William Temple Hornaday founded the American Bison Society with support from President Theodore Roosevelt. At this point, it was estimated that there were less than 1,000 bison still in existence. Fifteen bison were shipped from the Bronx Zoo, where Hornaday worked, to the Wichita Mountains Wildlife Refuge, which was actually the very first animal reintroduction in North America. The American Bison Society then petitioned the government to set aside a permanent preserve for, for bison in Montana called the National Bison Range. They then worked to move more bison to Wind Cave National Park in South Dakota and Fort Neobrera National Wildlife Refuge in Nebraska before eventually disbanding in 1935. Yellowstone National Park had a tiny herd remaining by the late 1800s and the act to protect the birds and animals in Yellowstone National Park and to punish crimes in said park came out just in time to save the two dozen or so remaining there. Individuals belonging to the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes saw that something had to be done about the declining herds as well, and a man named Little Peregrine Falcon worked to save six orphan bison, which eventually grew into a small herd that was ultimately sent to Canada's Elk Island for protection. Luckily, bison reproduced quite rapidly for large mammals, and small protected herds began to become quite stable over the next 75 years. Most herds now consist of about 1,000 head of bison, a number that is easier to maintain considering modern complications like farmland, cattle ranching and grazing, fences, and highways on the prairies. Conservationists manage the herds, even going so far as to use culling methods to ensure the herds remain a healthy mix of young and old animals to keep herd populations manageable, and to reduce the effects of disease. Many bison were at one time crossbred with cattle, creating something known as the beefalo, but modern-day genetic testing is helping to keep cattle DNA out of the wild herds. Today, many national parks, the Indigenous-led Intertribal Buffalo Council and Defenders of Wildlife, the U.S. Department of the Interior, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the U.S. Geological Survey, the Bureau of Land Management, Parks Canada, and the Canadian Wildlife Service are all working towards bison conservation and preservation. It's nice to see the government doing a bit to atone for its past sins concerning the American bison. Despite conservation efforts, bison only occupy 1% of their former range, with a wild population of about 20,000 animals. Limited bison hunting does exist in Canada and the U.S. today, with tag sales going towards conservation efforts. Many private lodges and ranches also offer hunting opportunities, and over 500,000 bison are raised commercially on farms for meat, so the average consumer can easily obtain some if they like to cook with it. My recommendation if you are able to obtain some, make AJ's delicious meatloaf. This recipe makes 4-6 to six servings and takes about 2 hours to prepare. The antelope in the recipe can be swapped out for venison, or more bison if you can't obtain any. Ingredients 1 pound of ground bison 1 pound of ground antelope 2 eggs 1 cup plain breadcrumbs Half a cup of ketchup A quarter cup brown sugar 1 tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce 2 teaspoons of Grey Poupon Dijon Mustard 1 teaspoon of garlic powder or 2 cloves of fresh garlic, pressed 
quarter teaspoon of ground black pepper, quarter teaspoon of sea salt, quarter to an eighth of a teaspoon of sage or to taste, eighth of a teaspoon of smoked paprika. To prepare, preheat the oven to 350 degrees and grease a 9x5 loaf pan with olive oil. Combine all of the ingredients together and mix evenly by hand or with the help of an electric stand mixer. Transfer the mixture to the loaf pan and shape. Then place in the oven for 75 minutes or until the internal temperature reaches 155 degrees Fahrenheit. Once pulled from the oven, let it rest for a few minutes before cutting and serving. Enjoy! For more great wild fish and game recipes, be sure to subscribe and follow Antler and Finn.